Welcome to Coming Out and Beyond LGBTQIA plus stories and support. My name is Amory Zanzel and I came out later in life. I'm a lesbian, an ordained minister, a mom, a partner to a wonderful woman, and I coach people who are coming out later in life. I believe through sharing story, we can connect, educate, and feel we are not alone. Through listening to another story, we can often hear our own. Today's guest is Tammy. She came out at 50 after a 24-year marriage and three kids. She is a nonprofit executive director and works in the state of Washington. Hello, Tammy. Hello. How are you today? I'm really good. New year. Very excited about what's what's ahead of us. Uh, hopefully good things, right? After right. this crazy effing year. All good. <laughs> it's all going to be good. <laughs> um, so Tammy, tell me your story. Sure. Uh, yeah. So I was about 50 years old. Uh, my kids were, two of them were on their way to college or in college. And I was sitting at the breakfast table one day and my youngest said, oh, well, with my oldest daughter heading out to college soon, it would just be the three of us. And at that moment at 50, I realized, oh my gosh. And then soon it's just going to be the two of us. And I had to come to grips with how unhappy I was and mm -hmm. what I wanted to do with what I consider the second half of my life. Mm -hmm. um, I, at that point, really had nothing to kind of attach it to or, or what I was going to do. Um, <clears throat> but I knew that I had not been happy. I didn't know why I wasn't happy really at that time. Um, I certainly knew that I was uh, thinking about women, which I really didn't kind of attach to anything until mm -hmm. I started to have some feelings for a woman that I worked with. Mm -hmm. um, it didn't really occur to me anything about, uh, oh, well, maybe I'm a lesbian or maybe I'm gay, <laughs> anything like that. I just knew that I had some pretty strong feelings for this person. And, and those for me kind of reignited um, a desire to be happy again. Uh, mm -hmm. I was no longer willing to just survive, uh, which mm -hmm. was the current case. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, she and I got, we were in more in contact. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, once I shared with her how I felt, uh, it was clear to me that I needed to end my marriage. And I knew that, <coughs> excuse me, bless you. <laughs> I knew that uh, I couldn't go any further until I did that, until I at mm -hmm. least made that break and had a separation. So that's what happened. And I think, unfortunately, it was a huge surprise to my then husband. Um, and in the coming months became a huge surprise for everybody that I knew. Um, mm -hmm. We had managed to create really as perfect a sort of family as you could imagine. And mm -hmm. um, we never fought. There was never anything outwardly that my kids would be able to say, oh, well, yeah, of course, you guys weren't happy uh, because the whole life was focused on them. Um, and so that's made it difficult. Uh, mm -hmm. It was difficult. It was a difficult conversation. Uh, I think a lot of us moms um, feel like it's our job to create the perfect household. And I think those of us who came from um, <clears throat> really dysfunctional uh, families. My mother was an alcoholic. She was married three times, um, a drug addict, prescription drugs. Um, you go through life wanting everything to be different. And for me, it was wanting everybody to believe that my life was perfect and that all of those ugly things didn't exist. And so um, 
this was a huge realization to, to accept to myself that it wasn't going to be perfect. I was going to be divorced. I was going to have to confront those feelings. Mm-hmm. And, um, it was tough. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I moved out. I'd never lived by myself ever. Uh, and that was a very scary time. Um, I was, you know, even now, three years later, um, I have a hard time saying, yes, I'm a lesbian because mm-hmm. I don't really consider, I hadn't really considered that. So I think I'm still in that phase think, of growth. Well, and I also think it takes a long, long time to, um, it takes a long time to feel like it fits. I think that's one of those things. And I think people are expecting, well, oh, I have a girlfriend and I'm with somebody. Oh, shouldn't I feel like a lesbian? But like, as you and I know, I think it just takes a while. I think there, it's such a shock to the system when you come out and you divorce a longtime marriage and you have a bunch of kids that it's, it just takes a while to like get comfortable in your own skin. Yeah, yeah. I think one of the things that you had said once um, was, straight women don't lay in bed one thinking about women and wondering if they're gay. <laughs> that's what I, that's what I come back to is like, okay, yes, that was me. So let me give you some, let me ask you some questions now in retrospect. I mean, I know you said, you know, uh, when your daughter was at the breakfast table and it was just going to be the three of us. And you said, Oh my God, I, I don't know if I want that. Um, you said a bunch of things, but you said you never, like you didn't put the pieces together that, oh, maybe I'm attracted to women and, and that, and, you know, and, oh, I'm not happy in the marriage. I mean, those all sort of like now have probably, they have something to do with each other, but they're not everything. So like, as you look back at your life, do you realize that, hey, maybe I, I was gay and I didn't realize it, or is it something that is like fluidity? fluidity, which people talk about. And there are some people that just don't think about this. And it was never something for them until they get a little bit older or fall in love with somebody. How about you? Right, right. Uh, You know, I can probably, and this is in retrospect, I can probably look back at at maybe, maybe a few times in my life where I sort of had thoughts about things that didn't really, that I sort of thought I shouldn't be thinking about. Um, thoughts about women's bodies or, you know, other people, which I guess I just never associated with anything, um, or Mm -hmm. I just didn't allow myself to associate it to anything. Mm -hmm. Um, and then interestingly, I had always decoupled my, uh, my unhappiness and my marriage with the fantasies of women that I had. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's sort of, that didn't come, I, I didn't realize the connection to that. Um, for a while. Um, Mm -hmm. I had been unhappy. I'd been clearly sexually unhappy with my husband for a very long time. Um, Mm -hmm. And like I said, I just, I kind of labeled it as, oh, well, you know, every other married woman for a long time that I've talked to says the same thing. (laughs) You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want my husband anywhere near me. Like, okay, well, that's Mm -hmm. all of us are like that. Um, But there were certainly times when I'd say, no, this doesn't, this can't be it. It can't be Mm -hmm. this. You know, I remember very early on wishing that uh, that my husband would agree to more of a, just kind of a co-parenting partnership, mm-hmm. <laughs> which he was not interested in at all, <laughs> you know, um, but that's, you know, I think I had gone through so 
many decades of trying to be something mm-hmm. uh, that I didn't really realize the impact it was making or the toll it was taking until confronted that morning with either you decide you're going to be happy or you decide that you're not, but you know, it's going to be right in your face very soon. And I could pretend with my kids in the house, uh, I was scared to death at how I could possibly pretend when it's just two of us. Mm-hmm. I want to get back some, to something that you had said before. You said uh, when you were younger, you were like thinking, um, you said, I shouldn't be thinking about this. You know, yeah. you said, where was that message from, from you? Like, what was the messages you received when you were young? Um, yeah, I, you know, I didn't come from, I came from a very religious family but I didn't come from a family that was intolerant. And mm-hmm. uh, I grew up in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. I was around gay people all the time. Um, mm-hmm. uh, although I grew, you know, I was a teenager in the eighties. So you really didn't talk about that kind of stuff. Um, but I don't think that there was any- even in, the Bay, even in the Bay Area? Like where it was so prevalent? That what? It, like you just didn't talk about that stuff, being gay or you, anything You like didn't, that. you didn't. You didn't talk about it. Um, it was still seen as a negative where I grew up, which is down in the peninsula. Um, mm-hmm. It was still seen as something you didn't want to be. I mean, and I, re- I regret, you know, those sorts of thoughts, but mm-hmm. that's all we, that's what we were when we were growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I can't really pinpoint it as that. I just mm-hmm. knew that it wasn't, uh, that, that sort of thinking at the time was not going to get me on that path of, mm-hmm. you know, husband, house, kids, picket fence, vacation, minivan, you know, all of those things. And you um, wanted those things when, at, when you were young. Like it was very absolutely. clear. Because for me, it was, I, I came, you and I come from very similar backgrounds, a little bit different was my dad, not my mom, but I came from very similar backgrounds. And we've talked about this before. Um, like I wanted to be married. I wanted to have children. I really wanted to have children because I thought it was going to fix something inside of me. Like I remember, I remember like when I had my first daughter, who's the love of my life. And, you know, um, one of the loves of my life, I got a bunch. Um, But I remember like when she was born and it was like, I don't know, six weeks, two months after she was born saying to another young mom, first child, um, how, how do you, feel about all this stuff and she's like oh it's so wonderful it's the best thing I've ever felt and then I'm like I don't feel this way and it was funny of course I chose somebody who ended up being she's Catholic and went on to be a homeschooler with seven kids but (laughs) that's who I chose to ask ask, yeah (laughs) she's like you know the earth mother too um, but how about you? Did you have those feelings when you, I mean, cause I think it's something we don't talk about as moms that sometimes it's really like, we think that motherhood's going to fix things. Yeah. And it does it. It right. just does. Yeah. Well, I, yes, I thought that, I thought that all of it was going to fix things. I thought that if I could have all those things, I would be happy. Cause this is how society tells you is you're going to be happy. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted my life to look like my friends' families. Mm-hmm. Um, and it never was going to, but I was going to create that. So yeah. Um, when I had my son, my oldest, uh, no, I didn't. I did. I was the same as you. 
I've, Mm -hmm. you know, I had been a career person up until that point. Um, The thought of staying home was scared the crap out of me. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he was not easy. I I, I love him to death. Uh, This is my son, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. but it was not easy at all. Um, Mm -hmm. I, I literally wanted to just sort of hand him over and have somebody do all that because that was just not me. Just not who you are. No, it didn't. It didn't feel, feel like who I was. And in fact, um, after my third child, uh, my husband was so miserable in his job, we switched, and he stayed home for fourteen years, and mm-hmm. and I went back to work, and that was perfect. You know, mm-hmm. I I was like the dad of most typical families, but that was okay because, Mm -hmm. you know, my work made me happy, so. You know, I hear you say something that, uh, that is a reoccurring theme with the later in life community, and that is about perfection. Um, You know, like, I'm going to create this perfect family, and I'm going to show to the world, I think it's like, almost like, I'm going to show the world that I'm capable of doing this. And we sort of try, because I, 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 I've talked to some people that still insist their family was perfect before they came out, yet it clearly isn't, you know? <laughs> and and it, I, like, what do you think's up with that? What do you think's up with this desire for perfection? Because first of all, that does nothing but cause a lot of stress and misery in our life. We can keep trying to create perfection. Right, so yeah. What do you think, where do you think that all comes from? I think we, I'll I'll just speak for myself. I was motivated by something that was not uh, a loving marriage, you know, creating a relationship. I was, I was in, I was more interested in the optics of it. Mm -hmm. And so my motivation was just different. I, I think that I was striving for perfection because I didn't really, wasn't really all into this. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I guess I was creating what I felt was what you were supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that's to the, I'm sorry. That's the only thing I can think of um, because you know, it was not, you know. I talked to somebody else that I interviewed and she said, you know, I came from a home where there was a lot of chaos and, and, and that is probably um, one of the denominators of um, common denominators of the later in life group. Mm-hmm. is that we do come from a lot of times very chaotic childhoods and mm-hmm. a lot of times when we get married we are like looking to create something that we never had and we're often very yes. successful at it by the way i mean we're very successful in creating this like place of safety mm-hmm. it's going to kill us on the inside but it's a place mm-hmm. of safety mm-hmm. um and it's really hard to leave that um and so Somebody said, you know, I didn't have any example what a uh, a child like what a normal family looked like. So I took my my examples from the Brady Bunch, and from um, probably for younger generations, the Cosby Family or uh, Family Ties or Eight Is Enough or so, any of those. And like that's what sort of modeled our life on, and that everything's going to be solved in a half an hour, and all, there's going to be absolutely no conflict, you know. And I think a lot yeah. of us do that. Yeah. 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 I, I, I probably had a little bit of that, but I had some friends with some very uh, happy families and that was what I strived for. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. so when you left your marriage, um, what was the hardest thing about it? 
I think the hardest thing about it for me right now is the every day. So I went from seeing my kids every morning, making breakfast. What do you, what did you do today? Going to bed, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, The day I moved out was the last day I ever had any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, My kids were uh, very concerned about their dad and Mm -hmm. his happiness. And so um, that was May 1st, 2018. And I have not spent the night with any of my kids since. Um, so I miss the everyday, you know, the little stuff, like when my girls come to visit and they have like a new shirt on, I, I've never seen it before. You know, mm-hmm. I wasn't there when they came home. I wasn't there, uh, for the every, it's the everyday. Kind of mm-hmm. stuff. You know, I'm there for the big stuff and I get to see them, you know, as often as we can. Everybody's busy and COVID and all that garbage. Uh, so I do get to see them and I work very hard at preserving and growing those relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that's the part that's been the hardest. Uh, I think um, for the most part, creating that little perfect family for so many years was successful in creating kids who are going to be able to handle something like this. So that Mm -hmm. was a good thing uh, for the Mm -hmm. most part, I say. Um, But uh, yeah, that's the part that I miss the most. Really interesting too, is that it was about, it was about leaving your family and losing your family in the sense that you haven't lost your family, but in the sense of how you knew it, uh, how I existed, your family, you haven't lost your family, your family just changed, right? Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and so it's interesting, you don't even mention your ex-husband or anything like that. So that wasn't the hardest part of, for you. It was losing the, the closeness with, the, I understand that because for me, even though my ex-husband and I are like now friends, sort of. Um, I didn't, that's not what I miss. I don't miss, um, you know, being married to him or anything like that. What I do miss is how my family used to be. And I think that's part of the grief. And yeah. I think it's really normal to grieve all that stuff. And I don't, you know, and people think there's something wrong with them because they're grieving stuff. Doesn't mean you want to go back there, right? Yeah, no. No, it doesn't mean you want to go back there. It's just grief, you know, it's just grief. And how have you dealt with that? How have you dealt with the grieving, the little things and missing the little things in your life? Oh, um, well, like I said, I try to preserve those relationships. Mm-hmm. So um, I haven't allowed those big changes to be like to make me bitter. So even though my kids haven't spent the night with me, I haven't, you know, made that a huge thing. Um, uh, I keep in contact with them a lot. You know, we're, Mm -hmm. it's different. We're texting now. uh, We FaceTime all the time. uh, They come up here. uh, It's just different. Um, I spend a lot of time, I spend a lot of time uh, uh, journaling and writing stuff down, just kind of mm-hmm. getting it out. Uh, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I have support from other people like yourself. Mm-hmm. People are also in the same 
kind of mm-hmm. situation. And that's been helpful. I mean, once I started to find those people, uh, mm-hmm. everything changed. And I probably started to create that network about two or three months after I moved out. I just felt like I was floating in the middle of the ocean all by myself. And there has to be other people who have done this besides me. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did you create the other network? What did you do? Because I think that a lot of times when people find my website, they find it by Googling and they think they're the only person in the world and they're not. There's a lot of us yeah. out there. Yeah. Um, how did you, so what did you do? What are the steps you took to create community? Well, you know, most of my community is online. So especially people who are in the same situation. And so, you know, there are Facebook groups, there's your group, there's support groups. That's where I have focused my um, mm-hmm. attention. And luckily through those networking situations, I have actually physical people here in Seattle. Um, You're in a really, really friendly, LGBT friendly city, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, you know, making friends with real live people who are in the (laughs) same situation. (laughs) I know that's Um, one of those that's one of those things though, is like you start, we start out with our communities online and then usually for most of us within three to six months, we're like, okay, I've got to find some real people. You yeah. Know, right. Some people to hang out with. Yeah. Yeah. When we first met, one of the things that you said is that um, you, you know, which is very, very normal is about the imposter syndrome, you know, like feeling, oh, I don't know if I fit in. And, you know, we all struggle with that in the beginning. Um, I know you've done a lot of work around that. So like, what would you be, what would you tell people like when they're first coming out and like a lot of times our first like gay person that we're really close to is often a girlfriend or a boyfriend. I mean, those are the people that we are know. Um, but how have you worked through that? Because, you know, it's so funny, Tammy, because I think of you as such a lesbian or so gay, or I don't even know what the label you use for yourself. <laughs> so it's like, I look at you and go, girl, have you looked in the mirror? Um, <laughs> but, but like, what have you done to really like work on, um, the innerness of this, like saying, okay, yeah, I may not have been out. I haven't, I may not have come out at 20, but I have a right to be here just as much as anybody else. What have you done to work with that? Because I feel like for me, I feel like coming out, like I I have no problem with claiming my gayness because I had to fight really, really, really hard to get here. So no one's ever going to tell me that, like, if somebody said to me, oh, you're not a lesbian because you were married for 25 years. I'm like, eh, not your choice. It's my choice. Um, (laughs) You know, I'm like, whatever, think what you want. I don't care. Um, But I feel like I've fought hard for this to be who I am. And so that's how I've worked through it. How have you worked through it? Uh, There have definitely been ups and downs. There were were times when, uh, you know, with my current partner and soon to be wife, actually. Um, Did you get engaged? Yeah. When? Uh, just before Christmas. Congratulations. I Thank didn't you. know that. That's <laughs> really nice news. Thank yes. you. It's yeah. Really cool to hear that. <laughs> um, I think that it was just as much a, of a struggle for her as it was for me. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we, I have lots of wonderful friends because of her. Um, and I don't think many of them knew what to do with me either. Um, mm-hmm. cause they had all been out for most of their life or certainly had not been married and with, you know, kids. Children. Um, no, and, they've been married, but, but to a woman, 
right? Or no? Everybody or married for a very short amount of time, okay. you know, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, it was not the- Any you know, kids in the group? There, there are, Any there's kids? one, one, yeah. one um, but they were not married. Okay. Um, so, you know, I had to struggle with uh, feeling like the outsider, you know, the, mm -hmm. the one that didn't have the same experiences, the one that had everything that was not in common <laughs> with the group. Um, and, uh, but I also was really honest with my partner about, you know, these kinds of things, this really upsets me. These sorts of things kind of upset me. And uh, I have to have my own path. This, mm -hmm. this has to be my journey. And, um, and I was appreciative mm -hmm. that she was, she heard that. What did you, what do you mean these kinds of things? Have upset you? Uh, I've, I've never been the kind of person who wanted to be like, look at me, you know? Uh, and so being, um, being in the spotlight is never comfortable for me. Uh, mm -hmm. And so when everybody's, you know, making jokes, there was one particular joke because uh, pride was coming up and we were sitting there and, and they were talking about, oh yeah, this old girlfriend was there. And, and then uh, someone looks at me and goes, how many ex-girlfriends were at pride for you? Well, and then everyone looks because everybody clearly knows none. Um, and that was really upsetting to have mm -hmm. to sort of be in that spotlight. Well, that also was, if the person knew your history, that was inappropriate and just bitchy. <laughs> well, or just a joke. And I just was just not able to, you know, and I, I think it was just a joke. Um, but for me, it was too much of a spotlight and I felt, uh, I felt embarrassed. Well, I think sometimes that, um, I think sometimes, I, I, I don't know if shame is, if that's too big of a word, but I do think that sometimes, you know, when you are new to a community, you, we do struggle to fit in. And so when somebody points out, hey, you're not very, you know, you don't have this in common with us. It does, it really highlights um, our feelings of maybe I don't belong. You know what I mean? And, right, yes. Maybe, maybe this isn't my community. But I also think that when people know, I, I'm very blessed. I have not experienced that. And I think we, we've talked about this before because I'm in the, I moved South and I think that in the South, there are a lot more people that have been married to men. And I mean, excuse me, women that have been married to men at a young age. And because of the, the pretty, um, you know, um, deep Christian values in mm -hmm. which not that they're really Christian values, but the, the deep, the Christianity that runs through here that is quite conservative. And so a lot of women get married super young. Mm -hmm. And so I've been lucky that I haven't experienced that, but I don't know. I think you, um, I've heard other stories of people getting sort of being um, sidelined and sometimes that's just not fair. Uh, and I think combined with kind of a, a, a feeling of trying to overcome your own otherness, mm -hmm. um, it, it just amplifies. Um, I don't think anybody really, I guess I've never, I, I would say that I have never felt that it was um, intentionally uh, mm -hmm. being mean. Um, but mm -hmm. when you combine that with, you know, wanting to fit in, uh, it can be mm -hmm. really difficult. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, those things don't bother me as much anymore. That was really early on. 
and uh you know i think finding more people who (laughs) more people who uh have been through exactly the same thing as me is just uh it just helps me to realize well my story is unique it doesn't have to be like everybody else's right and the yeah and i think that at some point like like we said before you just sort of roll your eyes when people say stuff like that and just sort of ignore because it's just it's really more about them and so I then us uh, or you know people who've come out later and a lot of times is you know what I've what you've heard me say a bunch of times is nobody can decide your sexuality except for you so if you haven't figured it out until you're 40 or 50 or 30 you know nobody can come along and say oh no you're not gay or you're not a lesbian they're people are just not allowed to do that and so I think when we look if we learn that really early on um, in our coming out journey, when, 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 and if it happens to you, you'll just sort of like roll your eyes and say, okay, well, yeah. Yeah. This is about yeah. yeah. So let me ask you a couple of questions. Um, did you have a coming out song? I didn't. <laughs> I didn't have anything <laughs> like that. <laughs> okay. I was going to do a follow-up, but never mind. Um, so a book or a movie that you've seen or read that you know really change your perspective on thing and it doesn't have to be gay stuff you know i can't really say that i do um i've always been you know it's it's clearly been in there the whole time um because when uh when gay marriage was it was finally legal all those kinds of things i was crying right along with everybody else Um, Mm -hmm. and, uh, so I think it's always been in there. Um, I can't, I can't, I guess I can't really pinpoint anything, um, anything, any book or anything. No. Yeah. So what is the best thing about your life today? I mean, you've been through such significant change over the last, um, three, four years. Like what is the best thing like about now? (laughs) <laughs> the best thing about now is that uh, there are no rules and that's so hard to, I still have to remind myself. There okay. are no, I've lived, I lived a life that was like so full of rules, you know, mm-hmm. things had to be like this and it's still a struggle sometimes to remember that, but uh, okay, oh, so it's I'm just such a good feeling. Okay, so I can't end this like right now. So you're going to have to (laughs) tell me, I understand what you mean, um, because I have lived it. But can you say a little bit more about the no rules? Because for me, what I hear you saying, and I might be wrong, um, is that I thought things were supposed to be this way, this way, this way, that I get married, I have, you know, I have a family, I stay with my husband forever, even though I'm not super happy. And I just hang in there. And, you know, and then one day, my kids will start having kids, and I'll be a grandma, you know, like a very white heteronormative uh, narrative that was in my head. Even though when I was young, I definitely didn't live by that narrative at all. I was pretty you know, outside the box. And then I fell into that narrative because that's how I was schooled. And so now I don't have to live by that rule anymore. So Mm -hmm. like, for example, Mm -hmm. one of the rules I broke is that I moved away from 
my minor child who was mm-hmm. lives with his dad and he's perfectly well loved and perfectly well cap- cap- taken care of. Um, and I just spent two months with him. Um, but it was a rule. It was a huge rule. And I said, like you and I've talked about this since we both moved out of marital homes and kids stayed in the marital homes. Um, it was a huge rule. I feel like it's a huge rule that I broke. And, um, but it, I had to do it. There was, there, I had to, I had, it was, my divorce was so difficult and every, like I got outed everywhere in my hometown. And so I just needed to leave and I needed to do it for me. And it was the first time I'd ever done anything specifically for me. So that for me is what you mean by rules. So I broke a rule, you know, I broke a rule and I'm here. And guess what? My son loves me to death and loves Tonda to death, my partner to death. And, you know, it's okay, but it was a huge rule for me to break. So what about you? Yeah. The rules typically are about that being able to, um, allow myself to be happy, uh, to put myself first. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, even something as simple as I don't have to be to work at seven 30 in the morning. Why do I have to do that? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Or why do I have to, why does, you know, going out have to be Saturday night? Why can't it be Tuesday night? Mm -hmm. Um, because uh, you have to get up for work on Wednesday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's consequences, but <laughs> that's why <laughs> it's, just, uh, it's, it's just, you know, being able to question, you know, why do I have to do that? What if I felt I've always had to do that? Um, mm-hmm. that's do you really think nice. being is a, like what I have noticed is like, um, now being in a same sex partnership with somebody else, I realized that like all the rules that I was forced to follow. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to follow them. So for example, I always had to do all the cleaning up and everything. My ex never did any of that stuff and um, balked when I asked him to do that. Now I know your your ex-husband was a stay-at-home dad and so the roles were a little different, but I I just like was expected to do those. And I like now being in a same-sex relationship, there's no there's no rules on who does what. Although I think our person, you know, people feel fulfill certain roles just because of the nature of their personalities, you know, and not because they, because of their gender. Yeah. Yeah. You get to do things because you want to, not because you have to. (laughs) Um, I think one of the ones that, uh, and we didn't do this this year was, um, I could spend Christmas someplace else. So mm-hmm. um, primarily it was because I couldn't imagine Christmas without my kids waking up in the morning, Santa, the whole bit. But at the same time, it's like, I can use this as a, as a time to go and do whatever I want. So mm-hmm. we went to New Orleans, we went to Montreal. Uh, being able to say Christmas can be anywhere you want it to be. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be this, with this meal, with this family, all of that stuff. Well, and I think COVID this year sort of changed that for yeah, all of so we us didn't because like we all learned that we can do things a little bit differently and yeah. um, it, it'll be okay. It's only one day, right? Exactly. <laughs> it's yeah, just one day. Exactly. Life will go on, you know? So yeah. 
Well, Tammy, I want to thank you very much for your time today. It was really nice to talk to you and, and hear about a couple little bit of th other things that I haven't heard about before. So thank you very much for your time. And thank you for talking with me and sharing your story. Of course. Thank you so much.